Maran Mugustab is a professional photojournalist raised in South Seattle and now based in New York City. We discuss growing up in Seattle, questioning everything, and ultimately living his truth. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I go by the name of Domo. And I go by the name of Yoshiko. We sit with entrepreneurs and artists across disciplines to share their stories, insight, and gems. Their journey will inspire you to think about community and your own narrative, how it shapes who you are, and what your legacy will be. You're listening to No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. No Blueprint. You are listening to No Blueprint. How's it going? Uh, my name is Moran Mengistab, Meron Mungistab. I am from the South End, from Columbia City. I grew up here. A little while back, moved to New York. Now I'm a professional photographer, working mostly in like editorial, some commercial work, but a lot of kind of portrait work and like a lot of journalism work as well. So. Nice. Where were you born? I was actually born in Atlanta. Okay. Uh, I'm a Grady baby. I was born in Atlanta. My parents, when they came to America from Eritrea, they went to school in Louisiana. I mean, after school, my parents, well, that's the whole story in itself, but found themselves in Atlanta, probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, someone else can check that, but it's one of the biggest uh, Habesha communities. Okay. So I think that's probably why they, guess why they went there. Yeah, so the, we were, me and my brother were born in Atlanta, but I moved to Holly, we moved to Holly Park when I was maybe, I don't know, I must've been three, I'm guessing. Okay. Around, when I was like 10, I wanna say, we moved to kind of like right next to the Vistas. Okay. So I've always been kind of like- I, South End. All the memory I have of life yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. in, is at that age was in Seattle. Okay. What school in Louisiana? They went to Southern. Like okay. Southern Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. My father went to Gramlin. Oh, really? Uh, my dad tried to get me to go to Gramlin. Okay. <laughs> which is hella funny. So that's... I'm, I'm glad that you did not go to Gramlin. I want... Uh, so no. my dad made it... Because his homie, his, his friend taught there. Yeah. And the dude was just in town. Yeah. And I was like applying... It was just like a very off chance... And the guy was sitting in my living room. He was yeah. also the coach of the soccer team. So my dad's like, you play soccer. You know, this Habesha dude's telling me it's a good school. And I was interested. I honestly was interested. It's a yeah. HBCU. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the time very interested in going, you know, I was thinking about it. Yeah. And then I looked up the temperature. Well, I'm just glad you didn't go to Rustin. <laughs> I'm glad. That, first of all, I'm glad that you didn't go to Rustin, Louisiana. No disrespect to Grambling or, <laughs> or, or, the, or the folks from Grambling. The education is not not on point like that. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. It, it is what it is. Your 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 parents, both your parents, went to Southern. Graduated. Uh, my dad graduated. My mom, they she didn't finish there. Okay. She went on to uh, get a degree in Seattle, but she okay. didn't finish there. They moved to Atlanta once my brother was okay. Came to the picture. Nice. And so where they were in Atlanta for a little bit. Yeah. And then know. y'all came along at three. You moved to Seattle, South Seattle. Yeah. Cool. What did your parents do in South Seattle? My mom was at the time was working as like Amco parking, okay. uh, like just like in downtown. Yeah, uh, she went on. She went back to school and she went on to do like accounting work for most of my wow. young life. Nice. My dad, what did he do? A mover? Sh- I don't know, he did a lot of things. Right. Uh, he actually, you know, that corner right over here on a there's it's like a teriyaki joint now, but it has like the little over. Uh, overhead it's on the court like when it's starting to snake down right down. I know, uh, that doesn't okay. make sense on okay. podcast format but uh, <laughs> my dad used to own a bodega there okay on Rainier uh, yeah on Rainier okay. so when I was a kid a lot of time he was doing that but then he also like 
did some real estate stuff. And then when I was in like middle school, high school, yeah, he ran a subway franchise. So serial entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, getting, my, it, yeah. getting it however it needed to be. Exactly. As long as we were good, we were good. That's what's up. Mind. Yeah. One hundred percent. Okay. 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 That's what's up. And so, what type of what kind of kid were you? What type of kid was I? Talk too much, mostly. Yeah. Okay. I would say is the best way to explain me. I don't know. I mean, inquisitive. I feel like I always. I, my mom used to. My, my dad used to get annoyed by it. Okay. He talked too much. You know, like, he talked too much. Uh, but my mom, she's always la- like, you know, we go to church, and I was just asking people a whole lot of questions if I didn't understand what they were doing. Yeah. I didn't. I think it's the best way to explain me as a kid. I didn't get like the idea of. That's just how it is. Right. Like that concept, I just yeah. refused at a very young age to, to accept, accept life like, is what it is. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You have to thoroughly explain to me why that happens. Right. You know? And most of the time, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> and uh, I can I can see as a kid how the, you either really enjoy that. Yeah. Or <laughs> that's annoying as hell. <laughs> what did you learn about being Habasha? And was there a specific person that taught you about your culture? That taught me about my culture. I, I wouldn't say specific person, mostly yeah. just because from the Vistas to Holly Park or all that, it was such a dense Habisha community. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just always around. Yeah. I didn't really, it wasn't like I had a singular, not to say yours, but like I didn't necessarily have a singular access point to Habisha-ness, right. I guess. I do think I never really had that many Habisha influences creatively. Right. Like most of the people very like professionally, you know, the older siblings or cousins or people you heard about that were doing well was always kind of in a collegiate format mm. so okay so college was heavy. yeah you know all that kind of you okay. know, the immigrant narrative okay um, but i don't know yeah in terms of how i don't know my family everybody you know it, right. it, it was so specific we lived in habisha community right like, so you had it all around yeah you always all, day, all the time you know? okay okay what schools i went to Loyal Heights they used to ship African kids up from the south okay. end I still don't understand and it's one of those things in hindsight I didn't get uh, but it's in Ballard for those who don't know yeah the busing yeah we used to it like that it would just take a bunch of Habasha kids from the Vistas and just ship us to North the North Seattle school I didn't really get it yeah it was kids I grew up with in the neighborhood going that way me and yeah. my brother did it he went to Mercer after he's two he's about two grade grades i guess worth of age so he's two years old three years older than me and then at sixth grade yeah i hate it oh not hated it. i just was like i want not to be up there right. I, you know my parents could just tell i was like interested in mercer or washington or something right. and uh my cousins at the time they went to summit k through 12. okay we're um, summit not around anymore it's okay. jane adams middle school now okay okay but at the time it was a k-12 mm-hmm. school alternative education okay um i don't even know how my cousins ended up there but mm-hmm. they their parents were at, like really into it i'm guessing because mm-hmm. they it, it, I, I remember being a kid and it really swayed my mom and she was just like oh your cousins go here and their parents say it's great right so i went there in sixth grade okay k-12 through so i went sixth grade through 12th grade i finished the rest of my you know teen, uh, school academic education okay did you know that you were going to college no not at all okay 100 percent. tell me about that okay i mean look again that kind of ties in what i was saying about when i was a kid i didn't really you had to answer these questions for me kind of mentality and my (laughs) relationship why do i have to do this right and my relationship with school and i was i you know I, i always joke i don't you know i don't know what kind of person i would have became if i didn't go to summer k-12 mm-hmm. mostly because the teachers there 
it was a small enough class size, small enough. The teachers were, their relationship with the kids were so personal that they could see my personality type and then work around me. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. Which kept me interested and kept me thinking about, kept me thinking about, well, if you're not going to do it the way we're telling you to, figure it out. Right. And so the college process, I my outlook was, I'm not going to pay to go to take science 103. Like that, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I, right. I don't, you know, I, I, I looked at it as once school was done after 12th grade yeah it i didn't know the language for it but i basically was thinking like you should it should be trade school like it should be like what is a skill set you want to invest time and energy into and that doesn't necessarily have to be trade work but like if one wants to be a doctor why are they taking art classes in in, uh, freshman year college or i remember i was looking at even though i started looking at art schools it was like the core curriculums were so so broad i'm not saying you shouldn't you know maybe we might get interested in something else but the the design of it was so do everything till the very end mm-hmm. and so i was just really turned off by the idea of college mm-hmm. and i just thought i'd rather just move somewhere and intern or right. whatever like I, I i just didn't get it right that's so interesting I, yeah i i spent but know, it's but it's real yeah right like it's it's super interesting but it's real like and i always ask this question of we've all been designed to feel like college was the way and i'm i have to also acknowledge my privilege of having access to attend undergrad and a master's program but we've been told that this is the way and now a lot of us have more access when we're when we're thinking about black and brown folks and obviously southeast asian native folks a lot of us have more access than we've had before but just because all of us have access now is now we can as we look at this critically i think you were asking the question very early like is this really the way all of us should be going and then it's like as you get older i didn't you know it's it's interesting to look back at things that you internalized at a young age but didn't know why yeah and i think ultimately it's just like like I know for my father, for example, he went to school, right. came to America, saved up the money. He was doing really well mm-hmm. at the time. He was in the UAE mm-hmm. and uh, working, and he's a little hustler. He was hustling, and then he, the narrative that you get sold is, you know, the land of wealth and greatness is America. Right. And he came to America, and he went to school, and then there was a whole issue he ran into. He graduated like top of his class in computer engineering. Right. That was right before you know big tech boom of the '80s, and he was in a position to do really well. But then because he didn't know the roads of the visa work to get these jobs he got screwed over and he was right. driving a cab in atlanta by right a year or two after he graduated from the top of his class of computer engineering right and i think i internalized that now i didn't you know i think about it i internalized that but as a kid you don't think about it but i just spent my whole life watching my dad build a life outside of the institutions that were supposed to follow right because it wasn't built for him right you know right. it's just not it's not built That's for right. us in a lot you know I, I think if you can get what you need out of it, abuse it. Like yeah. you, you yeah. use it, yeah. you know. But yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think a lot of the things we're told to, you know, told that are the key success are, academic speaking, are as foolproof as we're told they are. Absolutely. And I think at a young age, I. I so what'd you do? So I went to. We had a counselor who came into our school. She. I had like I like figured out how to hold a 3.0 average. Okay. So no one would bother me. I was like, if I have a 3.0, no one will. I don't. I'm not a bad student, but I'm you know I'm, I'm chilling. Right. Uh, she looked at my grade point average. She's like, well, you should go to UW. I was like, I don't want to go to UW. I saw what my friends, <laughs> older friends, are doing. I told her I was interested in photography. I, I had mentioned. I didn't even know you could be a professional photographer. Yeah. 100% at that age. You I didn't. Mean, you just. It was a. 
just kind of you didn't think about it yeah you, know? you just saw pictures you liked yeah you didn't think someone got paid to do it right you know? like, right and I told her I was really into photography, and she's like, well, well, here are some art schools. And I started looking at art schools. I was in a program called Summer Search, mm-hmm. and they really were pressing me to start. It's like a, it's basically a program to help you get to college. So they were always kind of pressing me to find schools to apply for, and everything just felt very disconnected from my interests. Mm-hmm. And then she, I told her, well, I was like, I just want to do photo right away. Like, I'm, I don't want to do these art schools where I'm going to have to move to Connecticut and do all the shit I don't care about. Right. I was just like, I, wh- I want to just take pictures and f- learn more about photography. Yeah. I, you know, again, at the time, I didn't I didn't understand that. I was basically asking for a trade, you know, like a, a trade <laughs> approach of like, just, just, let's just do it. Right. And then she actually mockingly told me, I, I took it as mocking. She mockingly told me, she was like, oh, well, I've only heard of one school that did something like that. My daughter went there for engineering. What's that? Uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. Okay. And I just, you know, I was sitting there and she said that to me, kind of like, kind of mocking, like, that's the only school now for engineering, not something like art, you know. Right. Little does she know, it's in Rochester, New York, New York home right. of Kodak. I looked it up and it was arguably one of the most respected photo schools in the country. <laughs> so it was complete luck. I found Rochester. So, yeah, literally. And it was, it was my pettiness that made me look it up, which I always think is funny. Yeah. Personally. Because yeah. she was just kind of like, it's engineering school, but I've only heard, that's the only place I heard that does yeah. that. So I applied, I got in, they hooked it up with financial aid, which was dope because most of these schools are just, most art schools or institutions are designed to, for wealthy people. Expensive. Right. I mean, I looked at, I remember I applied to NYU and they gave us like this like estimate, uh, you know, if you were to get accepted, here's an estimate of financial aid. Right. And me and my mom laughed together. Right. Because you know, we're just like, this is ridiculous. Um, I would have walked away with six figure you know of like, in debt in debt and I've been living in New York <laughs> right like, fuck that <laughs> right Rochester Rochester it up me and my dad went to visit he didn't even know it was a photo school when we went hey. I had him thinking I was going he to engineering, engineering school <laughs> and we get out there and he's like we did the whole tour of the art building he's like that was cool man I'm glad you can get to keep doing photo when are we gonna see the engineering stuff and I was like ah oh, I didn't I need to break it down for you what's happening right now right um, what did he so did you yeah I mean I told him I was you know at that age I was, I was very respectful of my parents. Yeah. But I was very... They knew my personality trait of, you're either going to ride with me on this or not. Like, yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, I was very independent yeah. in ways of, like, I don't care if I'm the only one who's interested in doing it. Like, I'll figure it out by yeah. myself if I have to. So you graduate from Rochester Institute of Technology? Yeah. Uh, what year? Two, 2011. Okay. Um, so then... Like, you ended up staying in New York. So I um I, I graduated. I was pre I had so the summer before I graduated. I um I spent a summer or yeah summer before I graduated. So between junior and senior year of college, I moved to New York and I interned at the Source magazine. Okay. Which was I was about to say uh, quite they, the experience. I was gonna say what would, what was the Source doing at that time? Well, you know, because they were, they were almost, living. Yeah, they were almost out of here. Yeah, they weren't. You know, it was. Listen, okay. they still had, they were still running on the the legacy, which is great because okay. I got to just I got to go to con. You know, I was yeah reviewing concerts and right. I just got to travel New York and listen to. Rap. I was you know I was huge rap hip hop right. as a kid. People were coming into the office that I was talking to. And I was hearing albums before they came out. Right, that was right when Kendrick was coming around the corner. In terms of more mainstream, I had yeah, yeah, but it was just like it was culturally I was. I'm very happy I did. Yeah. 
So, the, but it, it did bite me with the bug of just work. I want to work. Right. I was like, I saw people working, and I, I, you know, I was working under the photo editor there, art director, and I was like, is there a job for me here? Yeah. And I, because in my mind, I was low key like, he's an older guy, and I was just like, whenever he's ready to leave, I'm more than happy to become the new kind of change the pace of this magazine. You know, that was right. the way I was thinking at that age right. of like. I know I don't have it now, I'm too young, but I'm more than happy to pay the dues. That means I'm going to be able to right. be here and do something with this magazine. Absolutely. And his outlook was like, I mean, if you stay, we can... He was basically like, if you st- he, he didn't know when I was going back to school. I just had randomly asked him. Right. And he was just kind of like, if you stay, I'm going to figure out how to get you paid. Because right. I was doing, I was assist photo assisting right. for money and some other random odd job stuff. But that was unpaid internship. Right. And he, but he was like, you're doing work. You know how to do things here. I, I would fight to try to figure out how to get you paid. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a, another guy who's interning as a writer at the same time, and he stayed. And I watched him kind of grow his career through. And I was like, mad. Right. Yeah. So, oh, I could have done that. But anyway, sorry, tangent. That bit me with the bug to uh, work. So I graduated. My parents were in Rochester. Okay. And um, they moved. Oh no 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 sorry just okay. to help me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was like, what? Graduation day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, I, I was like, Mom, I'm about to just move to New York. I'll pack myself in a bag. I'll just go there right now. Like, I had a homie's cousin who lived there who would put me up. I was like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. And my mom was just kind of like, you've been in school for so long. Yeah. Come home. Chill. Like, yeah. chill for a second. Yeah. Like, take, catch your breath. You've been in school for a very long time. Yeah. Which was great advice. Yeah. Um, so I came back to Seattle. Okay. I came back to Seattle, and I was like, all right, let me try to find some work around here. Like photo assisting mostly was like my mm. outlook of how I would at least try to make some money. Mm. So I tried to hit up a bunch of photographers here, a bunch of dudes I never met in my life. Yeah. They all gave me kind of the same spiel of, oh yeah, I got this assistant I used for the last seven years. Mm. But if I ever need somebody, I'll hit you up. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, hit me up. Yeah. So that was kind of desperate for work. But then I came across this job. I started writing kind of like it's called jump off tv it's like this english rap site it's okay. like hip-hop news okay and so i basically became a blogger like i kind of and i had been running my own kind of thing where i was just i, I had learned the channels of how to find music at that time mm-hmm. and i was good at it i knew how to make posts that were viral and you get paid if they, you know if they choose right. the rate if it goes viral or something interesting so i saved up money doing that looking for jobs in seattle but at some point i just got really turned off by the industry here right in terms of access, I just didn't know it. You know, I had one buddy who worked at a studio, but he would, you know, he, you know, what can you do for me? You can't right. necessarily plug me in straight into some job. Right. But I had resources in New York in terms of, I can knew where to at least start looking. Right. So after a couple months, I moved to New York. Okay. I just went, saved us some money, and I went. Yeah. Do it. And then what did you do? Because I had been here that summer before, and I had photo assisted some photographers, mm-hmm. I, summer before I graduated, that is. I hit up all those people and I was just like, man, look, I was sending out, I was sending out like 30 emails, 40 emails a day, just like trying to find work. Like anyone's like, hey, what's up? Just moved here. I'm trying to, you know, move, move me in the right direction. Yeah. And eventually just, I got lucky in these photographers that I had met before started hiring me, but then they have friends who are photographers and you just kind of get into a circle of people who will hire you, Mm -hmm. which is dope. Was it consistent at all, or was it like... Oh, never consistent. Okay. Feast or famine. Okay. Till, till, till the day. That's, till this day. Listen. It's the freelance gift sounds, anchors. Sound, sounds about right. Yeah, it yeah. Sounds about right. But something that's funny is a lot of that free, the freelance world, you don't necessarily get paid right away. Yeah. And I remember such a specific memory. That we moved, I moved there in like, no, I moved there in August mm-hmm. of 2011, I guess. Okay. End of August. 
I had I somehow very luckily got a, just a run of jobs right when I got there, mm. and I was just blowing through the money I saved because I'm like I just work. Right. And then you know dairy to dairy, it's like I'm chilling. I just you know like I just made more than minimum wage. That's good right. money. Yeah. And I was pretty low on money. I emailed somebody, and I was like, hey man, like another photo assistant, but I've been doing it for a while. And I was like, how long do you think it usually takes to get paid? He's like, oh, you know, like 30, 45 days. Yeah. And I just was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. I was supposed to wait like what? six weeks for my money? Like what? Ooh, Listen. so I had to stretch out those savings longer than I thought. Because I really only went with like. Can you survive the drought? Yeah, exactly. That's Can all it is. Survive just, the drought? That's the name of the game is surviving the drought. <laughs> Absolutely. So I've, you've taken some photos from some iconic of some iconic folks i've seen your photos of trevor noah i've seen your photos of like uh sam hayek but i know like as a photographer sometimes those aren't your favorite photos those are the photos everyone looks at and they're like oh man you took photos of this person like who were some who were some of the folks or what are some of the photos that you've taken that stand out for you i think for me you know, it's, it, you hit it right on the head, to be honest. Like, I think the celebrity work is fun. Yeah. And it's really fun to make images. Like, I, I shot... I forget who it was. I just remember seeing people, like, turn... Oh, Cardi B. I shot this photo of Cardi B, and people turned it into, like, illustrations all over Instagram. Mm. And I thought it was so tight. I was like, this is dope. Like, people just... I don't care about credit or none of that. I was just like, you got inspired by picturing that... You know, the way that... The way celebrity work moves is really inspiring in that yeah. sense of, like... Yeah people remember it mm-hmm. but I, my favorite stories are more shedding light on something that people don't necessarily always get a chance to think about or see yeah and that doesn't necessarily have to be you know i think a lot of times these type of that type of narrative is applied to more intense stories or trauma-based stories but i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of beautiful stories that i've been assigned that like i did i did a story on um double a double dutch tournament mm-hmm. in a 59th in a columbus circle in new york which is a very well it's around the corner of the of central park and yeah. and it's like black girls from the whole tri-state areas and yeah, some boys and whatever like people were there like a lot of black people came together for this amazing multi-generational double dutch tournament that's dope and it was just like that's crazy and i got this assignment i shot it for like two days or something and whenever i do those kind of assignments like i'm only taking pictures for half the time like yeah. i'm trying to talk to people i yeah. just kind of walk around the beauty of a press pass and a camera is people will talk to you right and i honestly abuse it probably yeah. <laughs> to be honest like yeah. my job is there to take photos but like i end up just like Game i'd rather life. kick it but that was that's a good example i think a story that came across my way that i was so happy to make those photos yeah. because it's just kind of like those images will always exist on whatever platform that published that story is particularly for Absolutely. vice but it's you know i love the idea of that those girls and, you know, as kids get older and then they like can kind of Google themselves and or Google that tournament and find those pictures of them 10 years. You know, it's yeah. just like, oh, man, that's a tournament we did. You know, because oh, that probably didn't come to New York that often. Right. 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 Um, or even some of the older people, you know, there is um, like legacy double Dutch teams that were like well known within that community that like came back together for the first time yeah. in whatever amount of time. And that shit was dope. Like to me, yeah. that's like catching that moment, you yeah. know, is. I appreciate getting a chance to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I recently, actually, in Seattle, I just photographed, I did the annual tournament with the First State Golf Club. 
Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The first black golf club. It's the it's the first black golf club with a home course on the West Coast. Yeah, in Jefferson Park, right? Yeah, Jefferson Park. Yeah. Even Bill, the uh, the president of the club, I told him about wanting to do it, and he was saying like, "Oh, you know, this is great. We just had and this is great because we want to get everything documented, but also like, you know, some of the older members are starting to pass away. We want pictures. Yeah. We want things documented of this." And it's so true, and you know, the, especially the dynamic of the South End and Beacon Hill and everything okay. changes. It means a lot to me knowing that. It means a lot to me that I know I can have that work exist and people can find it and know what was here before. Absolutely. Um, I recently went to, in January, actually on uh, MLK B-Day, mm-hmm. I went to uh, Lehigh, the, the museum or the... It's on the water, South Lake. Leshai? No, like on South Lake Union is a museum that's right there. Oh, Mohai. Mohai, sorry. Mohai, Mohai. Mohai. Yeah, I went to Mohai, and they had this show, this photographer. Yeah. And he had this amazing, it's honestly one of the best photo shows I've been to. And he photographed all these speakeasies and nightclubs that are in the Central District where black people were swing dancing. and Like famous artists would come and perform. I was like, this is the shit that matters, bro. Yeah. Because no matter what happens, you can't take that history away. Whatever. The photographer was, for those who want to find him, it was Al Smith. Yep. was a photographer. Yep. Um. I mean, the yes. work was amazing. It blew me away. Absolutely. I spent so much time in there. And that's kind of, I feel like I've been thinking about that a lot with photography and just the idea of legacy and history. I think we're inundated by by imagery, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Social media and everything. And that's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong or it shouldn't exist, but it's like, it's very easy to get swept into. Like, you know, I think I always joke a good example is like, when you go to a concert and people videotape the performance yes you ain't never looking at shit again ever ever like ever. you don't you record it show your friends within the week and then nope. it's, you don't think about it right? right it's just it's just kind of one of those things where we we're so used to documenting everything mm. that we're not actually thinking of the importance of documentation right, right. it's become like abundant of right. documenting everything so you don't realize how important it is to document important yeah. things right yeah even to the like point where I have friends or family that have a major thing that happens in their life. I try to ask, like, you know, one of my good friends was living in New York with me, mm-hmm. and he was moving to Paris, and I was like, well, I want to photograph you at the studio you work out of. Right. Right? It's, it's not really about, you know, this this story that needs to be told in that sense, but it was more like, well, you're having a major shift in your life. It's important to Let's have... capture this moment. You know, like... And, and just thinking about photography in that way, whether on a personal level, mm-hmm. but also photographing first day golf club, because... Who know, you know, who knows? The city could change. They could might knock that down, make it an Amazon fun park or something. Right. You know, like, I don't fucking know. Damn it. What are your favorite photos? My favorite photos? Favorite photos. I would say something I go back to a lot. So I guess that's the best way I can think of this. Process. Slash the photos that inspire you. Gordon Parks did a series for time. Uh, Gordon Parks photographer, uh, photojournalist, and he did a whole body work uh for time in the south mm-hmm. and i always kind of go back to that because he kind of moves between these like intimate settings within public settings that are very photojournalistic mm-hmm. so he's like this very formal mentality obviously but then he has his relationship with the work with where it looks a lot of his work looks like he was hanging out with the person before he made the, it was like oh he was in this house and he had a conversation like, oh by the way now that we've talked for an hour right can I make this photo? It, it is just right. a form of intimacy to this photo. Yeah. And I think that my biggest fear when I make journalistic work, photojournalistic work, is uh, coldness, being cold, mm-hmm. a disconnect. Mm-hmm. As if someone, I ask someone to go stand somewhere to make a photo. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, or whatever it is. And he's, Gordon Parks is definitely someone who just inspires me in that sense. Okay. Um, 
yeah i think i think that's important work to me and okay. i think i look back a lot too in terms of how he approaches journalism okay favorite album covers favorite album cover yeah uh, covers sh- covers yeah all eyes on me okay stankonia okay what else well i mean yes yeah, no stankonia this is more of the graphic design i guess aspect but okay. dungeon family okay the dungeon family uh dfx like the one with the like all the dudes in the crazy outfits in a yep. circle yep yep i was that was dope because it was the first it was the first album package that i saw is you know it, it was the first album package i saw that looked like a lot of the editorial work i was into or what a magazine spreads right. and th- it had this kind of like life like day in the life aesthetic to it uh-huh. the photographer brian crosby plus i later found out was behind so many pictures i uh. like which was wild to like i mean it came together when i was like a junior in college okay like i came across his website and i was like this guy photographed all these west coast rappers yeah that visually had a big inspiration to me okay to dj quick a lot of kind of photos i remember seeing of dj quick as a kid yeah um for example i gotta put reasonable doubt up there yeah that's good yeah hell yeah um, jay-z has some dope album cover, no doubt and then favorite album cover is probably flesh in my flesh blood of my blood dmx oh with the blood yes that was uh i think jonathan manny made that for yeah. that dude used to shoot hella yeah kind of og for a lot of the yes that's that's the wildest wildest album cover <laughs> he has this he has this portrait of dmx with two pit bulls yeah where like the what I, I can't remember is like either he's out of focus and the pit bulls are in focus or the pit bulls are in focus yeah. you know, it's like one of those ways yeah. but it's a film it's like this beautiful black and white film photo yeah. and it's just like they don't do it like that no wow. more. Like, i mean it's just yeah. like that approach to yeah honesty i mean i don't you know i just feel like a lot of art for uh musicians has to be so crafted yeah whereas i think a lot of it back then was so, like let's just go to your neighborhood and make this photo make this right. photo which is literally that jurassic five right was. yeah um what would you tell folks who are coming out of school what would so like what would you tell your what advice would you give yourself right like if you had to go back to 2011 coming out of school you just moved back to new york what pieces of advice would you give yourself about getting into this game oh man well it's tricky because it depends on just like i think my outlook would have been the advice i would have gave myself is shoot shoot through create through the windows of time where it feels like you're really not uh, making gains mm. like there's a, a lot of opportunities for you to just get swept up like so there's a window time where I was like photo assisting mm. and I was just really caught off guard of just like how hard it is to become a professional photographer mm. and I think I just kind of you hide your you hide yourself behind getting money right, right? you're just yeah. like well I'm just gonna put my head down and just work let me just make some money and I'll figure that out later yeah. whereas I think the advice I would give myself is you should be always prioritizing creating no. no matter what and you know you gotta pay bills you gotta pay bills but like it's easy to especially in this world we live in it's easy to convince yourselves like well I'm getting this money like yeah. I'm gonna go out here and get this money yeah. or it's like nah you know you should, be, you're, you should be prioritizing even if it keeps you at a level of money you don't appreciate or whatever kind of stress it brings or you don't know what the fuck you wanna do yeah. creating wise you should just create through it yeah. and always kind of prioritize it and put yourself in a position to be working on making things the most. Yeah. What what can I do to keep me making stuff? That's real. Yeah, I, was, I literally was just having a conversation with a friend of mine and I was like, listen, we can, everybody wants the bag. Let's get the bag. We got to get the bag, get to the bag. Like, that's cool. But if it was really just about the bag, we would be doing a Something lot else. of disrespectful things. Oh, that, that's what, in yes, the name that's what of I mean, the right. bag. But somewhere in there, like 
a lot of us have the moral compass and the value system that means that even though we're not admitting admitting it to ourselves or our friends that it's it's way more than just about the bag for sure you you see that happen i think for me it was kind of you know and and you get in this position where you know a lot of people i'm sure can relate to is i'm not just thinking about me i'm I'm thinking about the wellness of my family i'm making sure my parents can retire so there's there's certain guilt that can easily i don't say guilt but you responsibilities yeah that can keep you think like you hide yourself behind this idea of selflessness yeah like oh well if i secure myself financially this and that can happen i'll make sure this can't happen right you know especially when this south end was flipping and making sure my mom be okay in this house and yeah me and my brother were always thinking about these things but you end up hiding yourself behind but then i lost years of not really making much work right i want to say loss i was you know obviously doing other things i'm very happy i did but i think I should have been creating the whole time. Right. Right. For sure. Just keep making stuff. For know? sure. And then just advice for up and coming photographers. Like, what cameras would you recommend? If you balling on a budget, what, <laughs> what would you use to be taking these pictures and all of that? I think up uh, in terms of people who are trying to do it professionally, first of all, it's fine if you just want to be a serious hobbyist. Yeah. I want to make that very clear. Like, I feel like a lot of people think because they really get into pictures and people ask them to do photo shoots and stuff, right. that's great. Right. Don't feel like you need to transition into it full because it is ultimately a hustle that's freelance and mm-hmm. it's hot, not always, but like it's a different frame of thought when it's all you're thinking about. Yeah. I think some people can get kind of get caught out in thinking they have to make a living off it just because they're even good at it. Like, yo, do a, f- a gallery show sometimes or whatever, but it doesn't right. have to be your whole world. Right. I understand. That's, that's fine. And emails are free. <laughs> That's like my, I get Instagram DMs from like younger photographers a lot. And I was like, do you have any advice? I'm like, emails are free. Shoot 30 emails off a day. No one's ever going to be mad at you for emailing them. Right. No one's going to blacklist you. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, that's real. Email, who cares, bro? Email literally this. If you get CEO of Def Jam on there, you know what I mean? Like, right. whatever, like, who cares? Email them, see what happens. Right. Get a bounce back. Right. In terms of equipment, I think it's kind of hard for me just because you don't really, it's, it's not really, the equipment at the end of the day, right? Mm. But if I'm gonna get a little technical for you, if you can't afford that good of camera body, just get a really nice piece of glass. Like if you get good lens. So if you had to, you had a bulk of money that you're looking to get into photography, mm. digital photography and film, but digital particularly, don't worry about the camera body. Like you'll do what you needed to do more or less. Right. Get a nice piece of like a nice lens and a nice, a nice lens will give you the, better image you know what i'm saying like right. the size of a sensor ultimately is what like it's important for outside of getting into details it's important for how big you can make the image right. or whatever which most people aren't thinking about that so getting a nice piece of glass typically is i think yeah. smarter than worrying about like the most expensive camera yeah um, and then what do you shoot with now i have a nikon d810 okay which is like my digital body okay. it's not even the newest one yeah. to lend you to what i was yeah. just saying yeah yeah i have da10 and then i shoot a lot of film okay. so i have a two medium format cameras okay um so it's one of them's uh six by nine six nine a fuji six nine so it's like a huge negative okay. another one's six four five which is just those are just a crop ratio okay so i have a six by nine camera and a six four five camera okay and then i have a little point and shoot film camera that i like I do a lot of assi- honestly, if I can, I do some assignment work with that too. They just okay. all kind of. It's more about 
the way I interact with the camera when I'm shooting. Right. That changes when I want to use it. Yeah. And then what lens do you use for the? I typically I stick with primes. Like okay. I I, use, I don't really. I worked with this photographer once, years ago, and he said something I thought was so funny. He said, "If you use a prime lens, which a prime lens is a set focal, so not a zoom lens." If you use a prime lens, it forces you to find the good photo mm. instead of making the good photo. When you're right. zoom, it's like if you need more in the frame, you'll zoom out, or if you want to get close, you know, where you're, right. that's, you're literally right. you're making the picture. Yeah. What he's saying is, if you stick yourself to a set focal distance, you have it forces you to find a good photo. Right. And then that typically is a photo that's not made very often. Right. Which I appreciate. That's real. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. stuck with okay. me. Hard body. I was like, okay. yep, fuck with that. Prime okay. only. <laughs> Do you have? Are there any camera brands? That you wouldn't you? No, okay. not really. That's a dangerous question. It is right. People go hard for that stuff. I'm, I personally am of the opinion like, all this shit go hard. Like all of it's good now. Yeah. Maybe in '95 you had to worry about who was making the right. bop shit, but like yeah. now like all these can't. Everyone's you can get your hand on dope shit no matter what brand you're into. Yeah. It just it honestly is a very literal how you shoot now. Okay. It's literally down to how you think you should like i used a sony camera for an assignment the other day yeah that my homie let me borrow and i hated it yeah but that was only because it was just not i wasn't used to that experience yeah, that's not my camera yeah you know what i mean in, in the way i think in the, the digital aspects of that camera I did. right so it's, it's really just what you how you do is there anything that you see on the internet like either with professional photographers or with cell phone photography that you that you either that you either want to call out, it irritates you, you wish people would just do this to make it better, or any advice in, in from that realm? I think for me, it's more, and I would love to hear someone explain themselves to me. I just think the internet's inundated with a lot of, like, just pictures of pretty people. Yeah. And my outlook, you know, like, portraits are just, okay, that's an attractive person. Yeah. I think my only thing that gets confusing is, like, okay, that's dope. It's yeah. a beautiful photo of a beautiful person. Yeah. What's next? So what for you? Literally answer that for me. Like, what's next? You have, let's say you make a thousand of these this year. Are you, do you want to do a gallery show those people? Do you like those people? Right. Do you want people to know those people? Right. Like, I just don't get the point of just pictures of hella pretty people all the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. with no real reasoning. With I just want to know, no like, what's, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, look, a dope portrait is a dope portrait. I just get kind of confused, like, when someone's like, hey, you should check out this photographer, and I'll open their Instagram. And it's just like scantily clad women in a window. Right. And I'm just like, bro, like, that's cool. That's what's up. Yeah. You know, do you, you know, I don't know. I can't. Right. That's true. I just don't know what the fuck you're doing with those photos. Like, what right. are we doing here? Like, yeah. I don't know. Hope you get your money, I guess, <laughs> but I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. That's real. That, it just, it's more confusion. Just to <laughs> yeah. be clear, I want no one on here to think I'm like going at nobody. It's more like, no, I just don't really know. What, okay, that's what's up. Cool. Yeah. So have, shoot with some intention. Yeah, intention. Like, and it doesn't have to be a photojournalist. Dude. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like some long story about your grandma or something. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. What, give me something more than just a pretty person. Right. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Absolutely. Because the internet, there's plenty of that on the internet. Absolutely. Right. What's, and then how can people find your work? You can find me on Instagram, I guess. You, yeah, that's a good one. Moran, M-E-R-O-N, underscore photo. Okay. Is my Instagram. Nice. That's where work things happen. You got, you got the website as oh, well? Oh, yeah, yeah, It's just Moran, M-E-R-O-N, photography.com. Okay. And then what's next? What's next? Yeah. Who, who knows? What's next? Trying to figure out. I've been pitching a lot of stories to magazines to try and get on the pitch tip. Yeah. That would be cracking because I think that a lot of these editors appreciate when you have a perspective they've never heard of or mm -hmm. they're not thinking about yeah 
that's nice because it merges the position of work and things I actually really am invested emotionally in thinking about into mm. I love to merge those worlds so that's kind of what next I guess yeah. um, we also have some personal projects we've been working on hopefully the Northwest African Amazing thing yep get it done but just kind of like I would you know the work part is fun yeah but I'm here now I, I'm in a position now in life for whatever reason that I think I'm ready to try to figure out how do I get more than just other photographers involved how do I get the, my community involved how do I get Absolutely. start thinking about things in a way where we can all document and encourage each other to stay together and congratulations on your event that you just had down in mount baker Thank as you. well and so there was there was a dope turnout i reached we i was only able to stop by for a second but cool, made sure cool. it was there no. and then last question which is usually our first question if you had to come up with a title of the name of either your biopic or a book about your life what would it be Mm. I would say it would be called well-fed and that's something me and my friends have always kind of a phrase we've always kind of thrown around because it's like not rich but wealthy right yeah. like we're well-fed yeah emotionally yeah. and community-wise yeah yeah I guess that's what it probably be. that's real that's real well thank you so much for your thank time thank you appreciate yes. it yes this is Moran and you just listened to No Blueprint Podcast if you liked what you heard, be sure to donate so we can keep going. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube, so be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You have no idea how much it helps. We also want to know what you think. You can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can even use the hashtag NoBlueprint. And if you're really down with the movement, you can join our Patreon account and become a patron, where you'll get exclusive content and limited edition merchandise. No Blueprint is powered by Ambassador Stories. We share stories of the people, places, and spaces that bring soul to our communities. No Blueprint is recorded at Ambassador Stories Studios and co-produced with me, Maya Aina. Hear more episodes of No Blueprint and get official No Blueprint merchandise at noblueprintpodcast.com.